1: gates and ready to go hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Monday edition live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine glad you're with us across the Outkick network it includes our live stream on YouTube through the Outkick channel there and other platforms plus this great radio partner you're listening to right now as we
0: kick off the week Chad
1: good afternoon
0: good afternoon Hutton I am fired up I'm ready to go it's a Monday but we're bringing Friday energy to this that's Monday right. and that's what matters and I am Thrilled about today's guest list. No doubt. Football discussion galore. Bobby
1: Carpenter will join us coming up in 20 minutes. Much to discuss on the future of the college football playoff. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and more. Ross Tucker later this hour as well. Host of the Ross Tucker podcast. Can't wait to chat with him about his big takeaways from the NFL preseason. and The big storylines going into week one. Which uh, after Friday, we are, Chad, 16 days away from all of the teams playing. And uh, even closer, 13 days away from that Thursday night kickoff with Kansas City and Detroit. And very special guest, Charlie Arnold from Outkick, will be with us in hour number two. Uh, it was a big weekend, ready to get to the next one.
0: Hutton, we've got NFL right around the corner. Yes, we do. We, it's a college football game week. Yes, it everyone. is. We've got Navy Notre Dame from Ireland this Saturday. Uh, we've got USC kicking off right down the road from us in our studio here in Nashville. You've got Vanderbilt hosting Hawaii. Let's get it going Feels here. This great. This is, this is fun. Right. This is the time of year that we love. Starting Monday, there's two Mondays I love more than any other Mondays. Well, three. I like the Monday after the Super Bowl when you have that to react to and discuss everything from that. I love the Monday of the first week of college football season when you know you're three days away on that Thursday night yes. from a bunch of games. Uh, and I like the Monday as you're talking about Selection Sunday, getting ready for the college basketball the tournament. So we are a week away from one of those three Mondays I love, but we're five days away from college football on a Saturday. This Ted, is a great time of year. We
1: may be five years away from the Aaron Rodgers retirement announcement. That's where we start with our top headlines. One can uh, hope. We've had the annual off-season discussion of Rodgers and where he's going to play uh, if he's going to be back in Green Bay, if he's going to come out of the darkness retreat and want to play football instead of retire, uh, he it has reiterated once again after comments in late July that this is more than just a one-year try-it-out-go-for-the-Super Bowl-or-bust mentality for him in New York, where he restructured his contract, he took a pay cut on the front of $35 million one on, compared to the one that the Jets inherited. And that signaled that he was in it for longer than just the the, the fall, the, the run through the winter and potentially the Super Bowl. Here, he's Aaron Rodgers via CBS New York discussing where his mindset is with the Jets beyond the upcoming 2023 season.
0: Uh, being able to win here would be really, really special. Um, but uh, why limit it to one? You know, I don't plan on this being a one and done. So... Uh, I think we're going to be competitive here for a long time. I'd like to be able to play a few good years here and then hand it right back off to Zach and let him go for the next 15, and it'd be a really special uh, you know, 18- to 20-year run of uh, (laughs) great quarterback play.
1: So that's tongue-in-cheek at the end there. The three- to five-year headline comes from this because if you do the math on the, the next 15 years for Zach Wilson, for him to take over and then have another 15-year run, it would be Rodgers playing uh, for the duration of that time frame. Uh, he's, he's playing nice here. He's saying all the right things. I, I do believe him that it's beyond this season. He wants his legacy to go... He wants to go out with a legacy similar to that of Brady as much as possible, where he goes somewhere and wins uh, and, and leaves the team that he was with for the duration of his career and then goes and has success after talking about having that success. Uh, with a team that is backed him with a ton of young talent. And if they don't reach that pinnacle this year or at the start of next year, I should say, in the Super Bowl in Vegas, Chad, I think he will run it back because the majority of this team is young and a rookie contract, and they are extremely talented uh, with a, a chance to bolster the offensive line a year from now.
0: Yeah, look, this is the right mindset to have coming into this situation for Aaron Rodgers because... If you're coming into it and thinking, I'm getting older or I am old as a quarterback right now, which he is. He'll be 40 in December. Right. If you come into it thinking, we've got one shot at this and one shot only, I may only have one season left, I think that could harm your play and your ability a little bit if you're Aaron Rodgers. But if you come into it with the open mind or at least the idea that I feel good right now, I still love the game, I love this young roster. Let's think three to five years and not one or maybe two years. I think if you come in with that, and, and that matters. I, I believe any athlete's mindset coming into something and the psychology of what they're thinking about what the future could hold absolutely matters for the individual player. And in turn, in this Aaron Rodgers situation will matter for him and the Jets' fortunes moving forward. But if you go into it thinking one, maybe two years, I think you probably have a tendency to pull up more pressure on everything, every game, every throw, if you're Aaron Rodgers. If you're thinking three to five years, I think that probably helps things for him. So I, I like this mindset he's walking into this season with the Jets with.
1: You know what else it does, though, by saying this? It quiets down the questions about if he's coming back all the time throughout the season.
0: Yeah, now he can just refer back to this quote. No, or, and say, I've already said, you know, I'm thinking hopefully three to five years. Maybe not even
1: have to refer back to it
0: now. Because not, not get asked. The
1: perception would be, oh, he's he's definitely coming back. The questions will come up next year, but not this season.
0: Well, the good news. I don't, for know, if all that, of I don't us, know if
1: that's the motive of it, but I mean, look, in, the, if you're asking questions to Rodgers, you don't really have to ask this again.
0: Well, I don't think it's going to be asked during the season either. The good news is now we're about to have actual games being played, and Aaron Rodgers, I know, is going to play in the final preseason game, so now he'll be asked all this prelude to the season and a Jets possible Super Bowl run is over. We're talking ball now. We're talking games. He's going to suit up and play in the final preseason game. Clearly, he's going to be there in week one, and and you would hope throughout the entire season. So now the questions Aaron Rodgers is getting is not about darkness retreats this past offseason, who he's dating, or how long he's going to play in the NFL. It's going to be about what happened against the Buffalo Bills in the previous Sunday's game. I, for one, love that. So now it's going to be all ball, all football for Aaron Rodgers. And then once the season starts to wrap up or if they lose in the playoffs or whenever that happens, one of the first questions, Hutton, we all know this will be, what do you think about coming back? Are you definitely coming back next season? And you're probably going to get some answer from Aaron Rodgers like, well, I'm going to let this sink in and then we'll come back and plan all that later. But I like going into it with this sunshine outlook of three to five years for Rodgers with the Jets. That's the way to go about it. Forty-five. There's a reason
1: he's throwing that out there. And, and again, we're doing the math there. Also, just quickly, uh, Zach Wilson, he's not waiting around for that. He's 24 now. He'd be 27 at the earliest of this discussion. You don't sit around and wait when you have a chance to go somewhere and compete and play. He started 22 games already in the league. That's not how you get paid to, to stick around and be a backup uh, when you're the number two overall pick in a draft. And you have a chance to go and compete and start and make the type of money that others have done. Look at Daniel Jones, by the way. Well, the Perception only way was he was going to be competing for his job. Now yeah. he's got a hundred million dollar contract.
0: He also went out and earned it and had, well, a, that's what, had a great the season. The only way to
1: earn it is on the field though, which right. is what Baker, Baker Mayfield's trying to do.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get it. But Baker Mayfield also had more success than, than Zach Wilson initially. Look, the only way that he's waiting around is if the market shows him through his agent that no one wants you to compete for a starting job. I don't think that'll be the case. There'll be some dire circumstance across the league where they probably are trying to bring in Zach Wilson to start. But if he gets word back when he's on the open market that no one is interested in him as a starter, only as a possible backup, then maybe he would say, well, I'm kind of happy here now you know, under Aaron Rodgers and I'll stay. But I'm with you, Hutton. I don't see that being the case. Someone's going to take a chance on Zach Wilson if, in fact, Rodgers is there three to five years for him to go in and compete as the starter. Good news for Jets fans, though. No one's worried about Zach Wilson right now. It's all about Aaron Rodgers and this year's team and possibly winning a Super Bowl. The king of New York, Aaron Rodgers. King of Gotham. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, crazy sp- headline. We, certainly with the, the hurricane that hit the West Coast, uh, earthquake, NFL preseason games going on. And then you had the, the New Orleans Saints who were uh, holding a joint practice with the Chargers last week uh, prior to the preseason game in L.A. Saints tied in uh, Jimmy Graham arrested after what was a a medical episode, arrested Friday evening around 7.30 local time, Pacific time, uh, suspicion of uh, being under the influence of narcotics. He was disoriented, wandering in traffic, again, 7.30 in the evening in Newport Beach. And this, while you, you have the saints in town, he's disoriented based on seizure, not drugs. Arrested, detained. He was running away from security and they thought he was losing his mind, out of his mind on a controlled substance. Goes to a hospital and ends up, he was having a seizure. Craziness when you see the headline of arrested after a medical episode. I I never thought those two would pair up. In this case, it did. And after practicing Friday morning, he's arrested, appearing to be under the influence, but was having a seizure. And didn't play in the preseason game that was, uh, that actually kicked off uh, despite the
0: flooding and despite an earthquake earlier. I feel like this is an opinion for, you know, Dr. David Chow to have on this. I have never in my life heard of a seizure calling someone to flee security or to run, appeared like I've seen the video in his right mind running straight. Away from security that was chasing him. I've, I've never heard of a seizure that causes you to just take off running. Uh, I haven't either. I, I don't I don't understand what that is. Is there a substance that could cause a seizure like that? You just said he was disoriented. Again, I, I am not a seizure expert. Uh, my, my sister had issues with seizures growing up. And, and with her, it was more of uh, just kind of slumping in her chair and looking very out of it when she started to have a seizure. So I, I've never heard of a seizure causing activity to this level. I'd love to know more about it. I'm not the medical expert here. I'm not going to spout medical facts uh, ever that I don't know about. I I just simply ask the question, has anyone heard of a seizure calling someone to run from security or authorities in any way? That's a question for Dr. David Chow. We need to get him on the show. Whatever
1: it was, uh, they released him from the hospital. He's with the team as they took on the Chargers on uh, Saturday, ahead of their preseason game that morning, uh, released Saturday morning. Uh, with the Saints. Well,
0: look, it's good to hear he's doing better Uh, either way. um, I'd like to know more about this, but um, if it is a seizure and it just came out of nowhere and it wasn't caused by something, well, that's reason to doubt his playing at all with the Saints this year, if it's a medical condition that just popped up. So, look, I'm fascinated to find out more about what's happened with Jimmy Graham, but this is a crazy story. And when you see that TMZ video of him, just, it seemed like casually sort of jogging As the security guards were trying to get his attention and chasing after him, he's just running down the sidewalk in the video that I saw. Um, Craziest seizure I've ever seen.
1: Chad, uh, great news involving Isaiah Bolden, who's a seventh-round pick uh, on on defense for uh, the New England Patriots preseason game um, against the Packers this weekend. Fourth quarter, about 10 minutes left, collides with one of his own teammates while attempting to make a tackle on on a a Packers – uh, offensive player and suffers a, a head injury. he's carted off the field, uh, taken to the hospital, ends up being released, and flew back with the Patriots to Foxborough, But they canceled the game at that point, suspended the game, uh, and his players said, "Hey, this isn't you know for the the AFC championship game. It's a fourth quarter of preseason game number two. let's regroup in the locker room and let's you know be around our teammate, especially seven months after what everyone sat and watched with DeMar Hamlin and uh, the fear of what could have happened to one of your friends, buddies, uh, uh, teammates, what have you. Uh, they are not, they, the, the Patriots were scheduled to be in Nashville starting tomorrow for joint practices with the Titans. They're not doing that. They're going to train in Foxborough. They will play Friday night in Nashville as scheduled against the Titans after not playing the remainder of that fourth quarter. Um, but great news involving Bolden. He's with the team. He flew back with the team.
0: Well, th- these are the worst. I mean, it, it makes me immediately think back to the DeMar Hamlin situation. That was very different because it was just someone standing up and collapsing, which was far more scary in that way. This was more of the traditional variety of football injury that scares yep. everyone that's watching, where a guy uh, you know, t- has an awkward hit around the head and neck area and then just drops with no movement. Um, always troubling when you see that good to know things are developing in the right way or advancing and, the right way and released as him. quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's always, man, you see those and you know, this and you've seen a lot of them uh, even working sidelines at games, but you see injuries like this. I know we've been on television calls of games where there's been long delays for guys who apparent who appear to not be moving on the field. And every time it happens, nine times out of ten, you can hear a pin drop in the stadium, but you're also just really wanting to fast-forward in time to where you get a good report. Or just a thumbs-up or something. Well, I'm always thinking, like, I'm just going to keep checking back on Twitter or wherever and try to get that good report. Like I'm really just but in thirsting the moment, for the good you report want a, You back.
1: want movement in, in yeah. anything. And, and, we, and we got that. Yeah. We
0: got that with Bolden eventually, which is good news. By the way, uh, our YouTube chat coming through for us early enough, and often already today. Jim writes in and says, I am a nurse, and different kinds of seizures have different effects. Yes, you can be disoriented after a seizure, but running down the street, not sure I've heard of that one before, is what he said. That's the effects of a seizure. Back with the team
1: Saturday morning. He didn't play last night. That was a medical professional, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chad.
0: Jim showed me his certification on the YouTube chat. The uh,
1: professionalism of Jim Harbaugh in question with the NCAA on uh, keeping things out of what is an investigation from the NCAA involving uh, impermissible uh, practices, contact during COVID and what was allowed, what was not allowed. Michigan is self-imposing a three-game suspension for Coach Jim Harbaugh where he's going to miss ECU, UNLV, and Bowling Green. We went through their schedule whenever they were negotiating with the NCAA infractions committee uh, for a four-game suspension, which the NCAA pulled off the table last week. Now, as we start the week prior to the college football season for Michigan, here we are, and they were already planning on Harbaugh not coaching the first four. Now they're just self-imposing the first three. We'll pick up there with Bobby Carpenter coming
0: up. Yeah, and I got way more on this later, uh, and a a big thought coming off of this. Uh, I'll, I'll sum it up this way and give you a little preview. Smart move by Michigan. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to play ball, though. He's going to be defiant about all of this, and it's not going to be that accepting Just of Just like it. he was
1: with the NCAA. That's, that's my prediction. Bobby Carpenter
0: joins us next. More college
1: football discussion on Hotline. Another day is here, and you're ready
2: for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Chad, picking up where we left off uh, with our headlines uh, of this Monday, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan self-imposing a three-game suspension. You read into anything of it not just being the four-game
0: suspension, which they were negotiating anyway? Yeah, and this is from Brian Fisher, who just tweeted this. Of note, with Harbaugh's three-game self-imposed suspension, any additional punishment on top of that from Committee on Infractions would come in 2024 NCAA enforcement had negotiated four games. Game one next year, Fresno State. Game two next year, Texas. But the whole thing with the negotiated deal was well, that wasn't going to be good enough because of a lot of the things that Jim Harbaugh was saying. Or not saying.
1: Yeah. So uh, mentioning the food, but not the infractions on
0: COVID. But if you remember, that response came because the four games wasn't enough. So now Michigan's coming back and saying, well, then we'll do three games now and see how much they're going to give them next year. But the the response was also in part to how he was reacting to
1: the four game negotiation. Well, it's how it's being covered by Michigan media, too. Which that was the big thing was it was about a hamburger. Right. And that's why the statement mentioned this is not about. Which is
0: rare from the NCAA to, in an official statement, comment on media reports about everything. Bobby Carpenter joins us he's probably
1: dancing in his home as he learns that Jim Harbaugh is self-imposing uh, the university of Michigan is self-imposing the three game suspension. Although the opponents, Bobby, are ECU, UNLV, and Bowling Green. So uh, I'm not expecting them to be anything but three and O without Harbaugh here. How are you, man? Good to see you.
3: Well, I'm doing well, man. Uh I heard you guys talking about that news kind of just dropped out here. I don't know about an hour or two hours ago. And it's just kind of wild that you know, Michigan with as much as they were pushing back on everything that they would choose to self-impose anything at this point because that almost looks as if it's an admission of guilt and if I'm down, I'm just going to roll with this and see what they want to do next year as opposed to try to placate to them because if you look historically, that's never really worked out very well for the schools that are involved.
1: Uh, Let me play the uh, perception card here. I think Harbaugh is going back to the NFL after this year. Um, personally, it, but just because the NCAA came back and said the four games is off the table for now. We're going to, we'll, we'll get together again next off season or whenever. If you're Michigan, are you simply trying to not have penalties based on Harbaugh's uh, lack of commitment to the investigation, so to speak? They've already got a show cause to the defensive coordinator who's now the DC in Baltimore with the Ravens, and other coaches uh, have either been suspended or they're expected to be. Is it is this about Michigan's program without Harbaugh potentially more than it is about Harbaugh a year from now?
3: You know, that's a that's a really good point because when we talked about, you know, him kicking the can down the road, it's, it's well, yeah, we'll just go to the NFL. And I guess I look at this. I and mean, he, he issued that you know, heartfelt, heartwarming statement about his love for Michigan and when he came back after this offseason after flirtations with potentially going to the NFL. About how this is the place where he wants to be, which, you know, in reality, he only said that after I believe he went out to Denver and there was no takers. And so I, you know, to me, I'm a big believer, man. What You say is what you are, and I I, I can't believe at his alma mater that he would have said that and made this admonishment of how much he loves the university. And then the, around the next year, when there's stuff closing in and maybe some trouble, and this isn't anything serious with him, he missed three games. Like they could miss six. You know, their schedule lines up pretty favorably for them, you know, this season that he could miss time and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But the fact that he would say that and then choose to go explore once again, which it didn't look like that was going to be the case. But apparently now, if you look at this and you take it in totality, and like you guys make the great point, well, we'll keep the suspension and everything down the road because I'm not going to be here to ultimately have to serve it, then that's a pretty good situation for him. And maybe that is his ultimate plan. I mean, he has Michigan to where you know, I guess he would be far more sought after than maybe he was three, four years ago. You know, they've won back-to-back Big Tens. played in the CFP. They've been, you know, much more competitive. And maybe he'll be more appealing now, but he's getting up there in age. And maybe this is his last best shot. I guess we thought last year was. But, you know, you look at everything that he's done now. If he can string together a third consecutive year with a really, really talented team that you you take back to the CFP, then, hey, you know, maybe he's, got an opportunity there that maybe we're not aware
1: of. And Chad, if he just plays ball a little bit here, he's on a four-game suspension, it's negotiated, it goes away, and now it just continues, Well, and and Michigan would have to know that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, remember, the NCAA did say in that statement, four games, not enough, because we're not talking about just a hamburger here. We're talking about a lot of COVID-19 problems where they were violating dead periods and doing things like that. A lot of the same stuff that happened in the Tennessee case with Jeremy Pruitt is what Michigan's accused of, which I'm sure they're not alone, but they got caught. And Bobby, I look at this and I think, Jim Harbaugh is just not the type of personality to play along with something like this. This is something that, to me, could lead to big issues within that program. Michigan does have the talent, and they've got the schedule and the ability to go win a national championship this year. But I don't expect Jim Harbaugh just to sit back and be some patsy for the university to say, oh, yeah, you know, guys, I I committed some really bad things, and I need to sit out these three games so I can learn my lesson. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to say exactly what he thinks about it and probably get the football program in hotter water Mm -hmm. with the NCAA after all of this when he comes back from the suspension. What, What do you think of Harbaugh's personality compared to what Michigan is trying to mitigate right now with the NCAA?
3: You know, Harbaugh, you know, listen, he's a good coach. I think he's done a great job. But you know, right here, it's almost like he's acting like a petulant child. And I get it. If he's principled, believe me, one of my probably best and worst qualities is how stubborn I can be. And, you know, when we dig in, I mean, it's trench warfare. And I feel a little bit like that's Jim Harbaugh here. He doesn't believe he did anything wrong. I'm not going to admit to anything. I'm not going to tell you more than I need to tell you. And I know that the Michigan Athletic Department is sitting here saying, hey, you know what? Let's take our medicine. Jim, admit to this, tell them you're wrong, pretend to be sorry, show some level of contrition. And if you do all of these things, it'll all go away. We'll go on with our season and we'll go try to win another Big Ten championship and make it back to the CFP and see if we can win a national title. Like all of those things sound good, except for the fact where Jim Harbaugh has to go in there, who's a proud guy and you know a little quirky and say, hey, I'm not going to admit to anything. I'm not going to help these people. out. I don't respect them. I don't like them. And I'm not going to make their job any easier because I don't believe I did anything wrong. And so if that's the case, I'm surprised that he's even going to take this right now, or that he's even agreeing to this. Because I think one of the things the NCAA wanted was an, an acknowledgement of guilt. And he would not give that to them. Usually in a plea deal, hey, this is what I'm playing to. I did this because you were honest and forthright and forthcoming. Hey, back it down a little bit and it won't be as severe. He don't want to admit anything. And so he's not admitting anything like that. Nobody wants to give you the deal. You know, I mean, he he wants to plead no contest. Hey, you know, I understand there's evidence against me, but I'm not going to admit that I did it. I'm not admitting guilt in this. And I don't think he wants to do that. And I honestly, I think he has zero respect for the process. And a lot of that probably has to do with, like, what are we talking about? I I get where he's coming from in this, because the NCAA has been viewed largely as a paper dragon. They haven't done anything. Right over the last couple of years, except for the Tennessee punishment with Pruitt, which, you know what, he's not there anymore. We can take a fine, and that looks easy, and it's all well and good. The NCAA feels like they get a win. Tennessee really doesn't get any penalties outside of the financial burden that they have to carry, and so they can keep growing their program. And so Harbaugh probably looks around like, what, you guys are coming at me with everything else that's going on? Forget about it.
0: So a year ago, for week zero – We had a pretty big thing happen in Ireland. That's where Scott Frost essentially lost his job, and that was the beginning of it when they lost to Northwestern in Week 0 in Dublin. Now you've got Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman in his second full season at the helm taking on Navy. Is this a dangerous spot to be in for Notre Dame in this game, flying across the Atlantic to play a game in Week 0 against Navy? I know they're a 20-point favorite, but what do you think about this possibly being some wackiness in week zero on Saturday, Bobby?
3: Well, Navy's always tough. Number one. I mean, anytime you're playing a triple option team, I know they were down last year. I mean, you make a coaching change, you know maybe they'll be better this year, but they're not a program. Like Navy's not going and raiding the transfer portal to bring in guys. And so yeah, that there's going to be obviously a talent disparity. But the way and the fact that Notre Dame plays them every year, I think does bode well for them. I don't think this is going to be a situation where it was. I'm watching that Nebraska-Northwestern game thinking, hey, maybe Northwestern's better than what I thought. I mean, I thought Nebraska would probably win seven, eight games this year. And then it turned out that Northwestern wasn't very good. But you know what? Neither was Nebraska. They couldn't close out a game. But I do think this is a little bit dangerous from the standpoint of, you know what, if this game gets a little close, it could get a little swirly. Um, and the fact that you get that hangover afterwards. Now they get the week off, the bye week, so they come back. You know, deal with the travel, deal with some of the jet lag, and then also playing Navy. But, you know, if you're Marcus Freeman going in there, there's expectations. And you look at their their schedule this year, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, winnable games. Where are you at? you got Ohio State. You've got USC. Those are some tough ones. You start looking around, and they're like, all right. I mean, worst case, you should probably be 9-3. and three. This is when you have to win. You have to look good. You have to begin to build confidence. And if there's any type of struggle in there, I think that that will be Something that people will turn heads because your first year is your honeymoon. He was the new guy they brought in. He was getting some things going. They lose to Ohio State. No crime in that. Played a great game. Then they lose to Marshall. That wasn't great. But it was an up and down year. They beat Clemson. They lose to Stanford. And I think people want to see more consistency. And consistency is coming out and handling Navy like you should. Because if not, and Sam Hartman doesn't look good, then I think you're going to start asking more questions than there probably will be answers.
1: Bobby Carpenter with us. SiriusXM is where you can find him. Uh, Bobby, so uh, Greg Sankey in a recent chat with ESPN uh, said, hey, circumstances have changed with the college football playoff and what we agreed to last year that we're going to see with the expansion of next season, moving to 12. He was pushing for an 18 college football playoff, not a 12. He said not everyone would agree to that because you want the, you want the six and six model, six champs and the six at large and he's saying hey we we need to go back and and talk about this now that it's not the same setup as it was what do you make of his comments knowing that commissioners are going to be meeting next week in Dallas and then again in Chicago in September
3: well I mean the reality is it's going to be him and Tony Petiti that are going to steer this conversation to what they want because in a 12-team playoff you would think that probably of the 12 teams, the Big Ten and SEC will comprise at least seven of them in any given year. Yeah, And so I think he looks at this saying, hey, do we want other people in there? Do we even need five more? We can go to the four power conference champs because the Pac-12 is dissolving. And then we go to four at largest. And so maybe we get, instead of four teams in a given year, we may top out at three, but then we're not sharing the pie with everybody else. and And do we really need To make it that much bigger and i think that's going to be his argument here where i think he's fine with 12 i think it's all good but you're you're not going to have the the west coast presence there is no pac-12 anymore so that's gone so you can throw that thing out and to make sure like hey we'll do the the automatic qualifiers and different things for the conferences and that's all good you know the four maybe plus the one uh group of five school but with that you know notre dame's probably coming in but Mm -hmm. you know we want to make sure that you're not capping anything else, you're not changing things, that we have the ability to now get three or four schools in in every any given year, because you look at where the talent base is all comprised, it's really in the majority of two conferences, you know, Sans US or Sans Clemson and Sands Florida State, which you know what, those are your main competition in the South anyway. And why would you want to help them more than you more than you already are right now?
1: Bobby Carpenter at BCARP3 on social. Always great stuff, man. Crushing it on uh, McAfee as well. And uh, football's around the corner, man. Kicking off this Saturday.
3: Oh, coach, we're right on the precipice of it. This last weekend was great. I had no commitments. I got to relax, hang out, have some wine at night, drink by the (laughs) pool during the day. And now I'm just staring down the barrel of, in the next eight to nine weeks coaching my kids there's high school football we've got college every week nfl it's going to be great and believe me i'm excited for it but it's almost daunting and exhausting thinking about it
0: yeah uh you go with a cab or uh what do you what do you go with you know, merlot mm-hmm. guy you get, you're you a red guy right um you know, i'll drink
3: some white during the day but at night you know i'll drink some cab a little pinot oh. uh little little merlot i used to drink that uh probably seven or eight years ago and i've migrated more to the cab and the pinot now so that's that's what we're having it was really cool and it was nice to be able to drink here the last couple of days now the midwest is like it's turning the south it's like the devil's lair with the humidity and the fact that it's 90
1: degrees
0: water is the drink of choice uh with this heat right now that's hydration for sure. is key
1: good to see you man Yes. you guys. There's Bobby Carpenter. Thanks, Bobby. Next time we talk to him, college sure football will be underway.
0: Bobby's just like me in coaching his kids that during football season, what you do is you get the schedule and you immediately pray for 9 a.m. starts oh. so you can be done and then go home and watch football. That's too late now. And I, I got a couple 9 a.m. Uh, softball games in there, so that's, that's the best one to get in the fall.
1: I want to get back to this Greg Sankey discussion
0: because he's talking
1: eight. I think the discussion should be 16 as how you get everyone involved. When we come back, Ross Tucker will join us, host of the Ross Tucker Podcast. Running backs, they're showing up to their teams after trying to hold out. That's next. kicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Our thanks to Bobby Carpenter for joining us, talking college football, time to talk some NFL. Chad, you know who is the uh, host of the Ross Tucker football
0: podcast? I'm going to guess. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's the one, the only Ross Tucker.
1: It is. Ross Tucker Perfect. joins us at Ross Perfect. Tucker NFL. Nailed it. One for one. Uh, a very uh, a great podcast at that. Ross, good to have you back on the show, man. Hope things are well.
0: Ah, uh,
2: likewise. Always good to see you guys. Talk with you guys, and yeah, I did. I made it the Ross Tucker football podcast. Just in ter- in, in case I want to get into the uh, the Ross Tucker chess podcast <laughs> at some point. Well, it's also or the good. Ross Tucker barbecue podcast. <laughs> By the way, I'm coming down to you guys this weekend. I'm in the booth, okay, at Vandy,
0: Hawaii oh, awesome. at
2: Vandy Saturday night. So I'm coming down to to Nashville. Are
0: you getting in Friday or Saturday for the game? Uh, late Friday night, because I'm
2: going to be at the Jersey shore with my family. And then late Friday night, I'll be there Saturday. It's a night game. And then first flight out Sunday morning. But I keep looking at these pictures of Vanderbilt stadium. I'm like very intrigued by
0: this. Arrive early. Can you, uh, call some of the game, like the second half from the dirt pile (laughs) in one of the end zones? Like that would be a broadcasting first that I'd, I'd, I'd pay to watch that.
2: You know what? I'm in the booth. I don't know if they have a, a mic or a headset on the sideline maybe to interview a player after the game. I'm doing the radio broadcast nationally for Westwood One. But I think that's actually not a bad idea. I mean, if we're trying to go viral here, why don't we just give me a beer, let me sit in the dirt pile, and see how that goes.
1: I love it. Yeah, but hopefully the score doesn't dictate if you're up in the booth or in the dirt pile. Let's put it that way. Entertaining game first. Ross Tucker with us. Uh, Ross, Josh Jacobs is uh, reportedly going to head back to Vegas to be with the Raiders. Uh, Surely this means he's playing week one, although who knows uh, with the storylines there as as the Raiders play on September the 10th. What I do know is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo gets a a, a lot uh, of praise for the win-loss record under his resume. He normally has a very strong run game to support what he does as a quarterback. Josh Jacobs is desperately needed for Josh McDaniels and Jimmy G.
2: Well, here uh, I got a lot to say about this one, okay? First of all, he was never going to miss a paycheck. Uh, None of these guys were. It's $561,000 a week for Josh Jacobs. uh, You know, I've seen these reports today, guys, where Josh Jacobs is going to report by the first game. Yeah, no kidding. I knew that. But what I suggest, And what I would do if I were Josh Jacobs and if I was representing him, I wouldn't sign. I have to check if it's Friday or Saturday, but I wouldn't sign until the last possible second for you to still get your pay for that week. Because I saw a quote from Josh McDaniels where he said, man, it's hard to just come in at the last second and play to the level you want to and, and, and play it and play well. Hey, Josh, That sounds like a Raiders problem, not a Josh Jacobs problem. You know, if the Raiders don't entice his one-year offer like the Giants did, and hopefully better than the Giants did, and he doesn't show up till the day before the first game, well, then really it puts the Raiders in an uncomfortable position. Are you going to play him the next day or two days later? That sounds like a major injury risk, and by the way, then he will have missed all of the game planning that week. And then even the next week, he's probably on limited touches. So if you're the Raiders, I think you have a decision to make. I think they need to try to entice him, whether it's a little bit more money on the one-year deal or agree to not franchise tag him again, to get him in sooner rather than later. Because I think what Josh McDaniels said is probably right, but that's not Mc- that's not Josh Jacobs' issue. Josh Jacobs probably would prefer if he had less touches the first couple of games because that doesn't help a running back anyway. Then they just blame you for all the touches you had the year before.
0: Ross, can you help me understand the Colts' decision to play Anthony Richardson in preseason week one and then sit him in preseason week two? It seems this is a guy that needs as many reps as possible getting ready for his first season, his rookie season as the starter.
2: No, I don't understand it, um, unless it was a health thing for the starting offensive line, right? So if they didn't want to put the starting offensive line out there because maybe they had joint practices last week, I don't know. Uh, but I know Steichen in a little bit because he was the OC in Philly the last couple of years. I do the Eagles preseason games on television. And if the Eagles have those joint practices – a lot of times they don't then play their starters
0: the Colts did in the too, game I believe. because they, they
2: think
1: it's they played the ba- it's too many reps. Joint, so, joint practice against the Bears, I believe.
2: Yeah, so my guess is they didn't want to play the starting O-line. And if they didn't want to play the starting O-line, you certainly didn't want to put Richardson out there behind the backup O-line. So that would be the logic. But I would agree with you that I would at least have gotten him a few series. You look at his footwork, mechanics. He really does need as much work as he can get. So that's the balance I think the Colts are going through, trying to get him the reps that they know he needs versus not wanting to beat up you know, Ryan Kelly and Quinton Nelson and some of the the starting offensive linemen who they probably don't think need to be out there.
0: Just in general, the idea that you don't start a rookie quarterback if the team around that player is really bad because – you don't want to hurt their confidence. I, I don't like that way of thinking when you've got a first-round quarterback that you're trying to see if he's the guy or not. But do you buy into that in certain situations with certain quarterbacks? I,
2: I think it has, in my mind, less to do with the supporting cast and more to do with the player himself. Right? I'm kind of of the mindset that I would play the guy unless he's just really not ready to the point where he's going to significantly hurt the team and maybe himself, right? Like if it's a guy that maybe only played one year in college and he's a little bit overwhelmed, I thought a good example of this to be honest with you last year was Malik Willis for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, he was nowhere near ready to be out there last year, really hurt the team, hurt himself. And so he was an example of a guy that really, I think probably could have used a year and he looks better. Malik Willis looks better this preseason. But if the guy doesn't know where his blitz pickup is and he's going to have guys coming free and he doesn't even know it, he's going to get ear-holed, that's not good. Other than that, I don't think it's a supporting cast. I mean, the team could be dog crap around him. But if he knows what he's doing and he knows to get rid of the ball, then I would play him.
1: guy played 13 college games. Started 13 college games. And uh, he was making his debut at home, too, for the fans of the Colts that wanted to well, see him play. Well, the comparisons,
0: the last guy to start that few games and going uh, very high in the draft and starting right away was Trubisky with the Bears. And yeah. the last quarterback to start right immediately that had that bad of a completion percentage was Jake Locker with the Titans. That, that's, that's who Anthony Richardson, those are the comps right now in terms of starts and stats in his college career. Ross Tucker with us.
1: Ross, year two jump for Kenny Pickett and for George Pickens, will be what? How high is the ceiling in year two for these two players?
2: I think pretty high. I mean, I actually just wrote an article last week for the 33rd team about second-year breakout players. I think it's Pickens for sure. I still need to get more information on how he went in the second round and all those guys went ahead of him. I know he had some off-the-field stuff and injury stuff, but goodness gracious, guys. I mean... That is one talented young man. It's unbelievable, by the way. Like, the Steelers, they they can't keep getting away with this. Like, every receiver they take, every edge rusher. I saw Nick Herbig just murdering people over the weekend. I mean, there's certain positions where if the Steelers draft you, you're pretty much going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable how they keep doing this. But, yeah, I I was impressed with Pickett last year. I really was. You know, to our conversation about rookie quarterbacks earlier – he just looked like he knew what was going on. It just looked like the game wasn't too big for him. And I saw him have game-winning drives late in games a couple of times, which I thought was a really good sign. And I would like to think that they'll use Pickens downfield more. They've got some really good weapons. I mean, Deontay Johnson and Pickens and Friar and um, even their backs are looking pretty good. I I think the Steelers, I mean, they were 9-8 and last year. It's hard for me to imagine them being – Any worse than 10 and seven, although their division, in my mind, is the toughest in football.
1: They're not having a losing season. I know that based on Tomlin being their head coach. Ross, uh, final thing for you. The the the, if the Steelers are underrated, I think they are going into the year. Who's the most overrated team right now in your mind?
2: Well, I don't I don't know if it's overrated as much as overhyped right now. But guys, when's the last time we talked this much? about one team going into a season and that one team hasn't been in the playoffs in 11 years. I mean, I'm talking about the New York Jets. And I I totally get it. They got Aaron Rodgers. They got some other guys. They're on hard knocks. I I get it. But man, I don't know if they're overrated, but there's sort of a presumption that they're going to the playoffs. And I would just say, you sure about that? I mean, their O-line does not look good. And go through and pick the seven AFC playoff teams. It's rough. I, I did it in my predictions for the Ross Tucker football podcast, and I had to leave out some really good teams. I left out 10 and 7 Cleveland. I left out 9 and 8 Baltimore. I left out, I think, 10 and 7 Miami Dolphins. I mean, the AFC is just loaded. It could very easily be the Jets that have a nice season at 9 and 8, 10 and 7, but aren't able to make the cut of making the playoffs, which would obviously be. Gigantically disappointing for what the expectations are now.
1: That would certainly make the uh, front page story. Uh, Ross Tucker with us. Myfrontpagestory.com. Why is myfrontpagestory.com the best gift ever, Ross?
2: Well, so I talked to you guys about this the Super Bowl, right? And evidently, and you got to tell me, is this even going on in the South? Because evidently the two biggest months for weddings are September and October, which blows my mind away. It's avoided away. here. Yeah, well, which means, by the way, what that means is a lot of people have their anniversary coming up and they have no idea what to get their wife. So just go to myfrontpagestory.com. They literally write this unbelievable story. looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, framed pictures of her and you. I'm just telling you, she will cry. She will love it. It'll be hanging up in the house. And maybe that's what you need to do to make up for the fact that you got married during football season. (laughs) I mean, I had at least three buddies. While I was playing that got married during football season. And you don't realize this at the time, but when you're in your twenties, weddings are like gold. You know how much I would pay right now to go to a a wedding when I'm 26 years old. I mean, are you kidding me? And yet Eric, George, I can go right down the list of my friends that got married in the fall. And I would say something to them about, and they'd be like, dude, she, she wants to get married in the fall. It's her dream. To which I said, like, what's more important, your wife or me? <laughs> I've known you since we were five. You just met your wife like three years ago. It didn't go over very well.
1: So he needs to get you the MyFrontPageStory.com
0: headline then. Yeah, they back. need
2: to make up for it. Give me a story <laughs> about why they're not c- close enough friends with me. You're- MyFrontPageStory.com.
0: You're right, too. There's also all those like very early August uh, weddings to avoid the football season. That's happening right now with anniversaries. So those are the smarter friends, the ones that we all like more. We're the ones who got it out of the way then before games kicked off.
2: Yeah, I mean, I laugh at people that get married in the fall, and they're like, oh, I didn't know Penn State, Ohio State was that day. Well, when, 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 when nobody's on the dance floor because they're all in the other room watching the TV, congratulations, you just, you just sabotaged your own wedding. You just committed wedding suicide.
1: Ross Tucker is the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Ross, always great, man. Uh, Great to have you back on the show. We'll do it again soon.
2: Of course. See you guys. Let me know a good breakfast place for Nashville Saturday morning.
0: We got you. I'm going to
2: brunch with a guy. Give me a good place.
0: We will hit you up for sure. Thanks, Ross. Robin, thank you. The yeah. Ross Tucker Chess Podcast also coming yeah. soon. We found Maybe they're going to tape it at brunch. Some breaking news, yeah. <laughs> that could launch in the construction area at Vandy since he's going to be there at the game. <laughs> they could set up some chess You boards. can find some good uh, a good brunch on West End. Oh,
1: there. There's some good spots Breakfast. in Nashville. Chad, coming up, uh, I'm very high on what I've seen from Pittsburgh. No one's really talking about the Steelers. Coming off the 9-8 season, year two for Pickett, George Pickens has been incredible. And there's an area of Pickett's game that has vastly improved from last year at this time to now. That's why I'm buying into them. I've got two others that I'm buying in on the hype of the preseason. And then there's headlines and storylines that I'm selling based on camp situations going into week one. That's next right here on Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow across the Outkick Network.